morning. Uh, wherever you are. Um, this is the Excalibros. Good evening. Uh, good afternoon. All right. We've got all the time zones covered. We do it's have all around. the time zones covered. So, uh, we're back with a, a special episode. Uh, I'm Georgie. We've got, obviously, Dan on the call and uh, a guest, um, uh, our, our friend Pierce. Pierce, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Pierce. Uh, I am a uh, writer for Newsarama.com. Uh, I do a bunch of reviews for our Best Shots Review team. Oh, what are all the other things that I do? I'm in a band. I work at the Museum of Natural History in New York. I run the sleepover program there. Um I was a former was a Marvel, Marvel intern. intern. Yeah. Um, Get a little bit of an echo here. Of an echo here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Is that, is that me? Let's see if, if I do that. Continues. I think it's done. Sometimes it happens like that. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Is it gone now? It's gone. Oh. Okay. Can I, cool. Can I, can I just quickly ask a question? Yeah. Ah. Uh, is the concept of sleeping over in a museum as awesome as it actually is, sounds? Um, so I literally had one two days ago. It's it's fun. I, I've never done one as a guest, though. Like, I run it. So um, people have a good time, though. What do you actually do? Do you purposely, like, move the things around while they're asleep? <laughs> I have a feeling uh, it's, like, undercover or, like, it's your cover to steal art prod like... You're like we're doing a sleepover, and then you have people come in and like steal steal artwork. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, it's basically I'm basically Nicolas Cage in National Treasure. <laughs> I go to museums and I help them quote unquote develop a sleepover program, but I really just steal the Declaration of Independence every time, over and over again. Isn't that not just? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the declar. I I plant it and then I steal it again. They usually don't know that I've planted it, so it kind of makes it, it you know, it loses its it's been losing its effect. But mm. but uh, you know, it is what it is. Well, good for you. Thanks. It's uh, it's it's a hard job, but somebody's got to do it. Sure. So what's your your history with Exiles and Excalibur? So. I, like, I was always a big X-Men fan uh, growing up. X-Men animated series, obviously, I think is such a touch point for so many people. Um, I, you know, I'm 29 years old, so especially people around my age. Um, and when I got into the comics, I, I kind of came into the comics, like comics in general, very quickly and then very slowly. So when I was a kid, my dad collected comics, and so I had whatever he bought. But it was lots of, like, it was the 90s. It was lots of, like, image number ones. And then I never followed up on them or just random uh, issues of X-Men, but I never followed up on them or random issues of Spider-Man. But, you know, you understand. And so I I liked comics, but I also I I didn't really understand how it worked, like that you could go get them every week. Uh, I would just buy it from back issue bins. You know, I just buy whatever looked cool, like the new Fantastic Four with like Wolverine, Hulk, Ghost Rider you know um stuff like that like anything that just like looked kind of cool i'd buy and exiles and excalibur just were kind of off my radar because they just they started with e Mm -hmm. and they weren't in the those weren't the bins i was looking in quite literally that's all it was um i was always looking at s and x and you know things that i that i kind of knew 
but when I became a Marvel intern, I started getting turned on to a lot more stuff. This was probably 2010 um, that I was an intern, uh, and we just had access to more stuff, and we were moving offices. So I just inherited a bunch of books from editors and stuff that didn't want to move office, move all their stuff to new places. So I was reading a lot more modern stuff, like uh, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then... But like, also, I got the first trade of Judd Winnick's Exiles, and I was just like, "Whoa, this is the coolest thing ever! Like, what a cool idea for a book!" And in trying to find more sort of multiversal hopping stuff, slash, getting all of the essential X Men, um, like those big giant uh, black and white essentials where I started really reading Claremont's run for the first time straight through um, and learning like, oh, like, oh, now Excalibur like fits in here. I guess I should read that uh, and just digging into that and being like, oh, this is like proto-exiles kind of uh, in a certain way. And so um, I, I guess I, I really got into both these books really only in the last decade, but um, they uh, excite me certainly in 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 very different ways and, and Excalibur especially I mean I love Exiles Exiles the more I've read of it though I think has aged a little bit worse for me I mean rereading that's fair. <laughs> rereading the issue that we're getting into today with a little bit of the shine taken off of it of it being my first read through or second read through I was kind of and, and tried to be a little bit more discerning as I've become a, a professional critic um you know, I, I sometimes read things thinking like, what would I give this if I had to review it like today? <laughs> um, and uh, so I love Excalibur still. I do love Exiles. Uh, I love that there's a new Exiles. I hope that there will be a new Excalibur. Um, but I guess that's my long-winded way of explaining where I'm coming from. <laughs> awesome. I, did, I didn't know you were an intern for, for Marvel. Did, are you responsible for all the... Uh social justice warriors that have polluted the offices or it it really is all me um you know i can take full credit <laughs> full credit for that oh, um, um i thank you on behalf of me um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no you know I've, i was a marvel intern for for marvel editorial for web editorial excuse me so i worked for like agent m ryan panagos um uh, and and worked directly on the website, so a lot more like internal promotional material kind of stuff. Cool. Um, but it was a ton of fun. I mean, we turned over the we turned over the uh, the whole website that that semester. Uh, it was fall of two thousand eight and uh, of two thousand ten, excuse me, and uh, had a whole new website. I mean, they changed the website like every two years now. But it got to the point where I was there so much that other employees didn't know that I wasn't just an employee. I mean, like I was like. They were like, can you troubleshoot like this stuff? And I'm like, uh, and get it to me by tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, tomorrow's Thursday. I've got class. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but it was Very a lot of fun. Peter Parker. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, we had, a good, we had a good editorial class. I mean, it was me, uh, Elliot Rahal, who writes over at Valiant Comics, uh, Donnie Cates, who, oh, cool. uh, you know, writes Thanos and uh, Venom. Uh, he sat behind me on Intern Row. Um, Hunter Gorenson, who was doing marketing at Valiant for a while, um, and he's he's been bouncing around the comic book industry. So I mean, yeah, it was a good year for us, I guess. And uh, oh, and uh, and also my partner in crime, Ron Case, uh, who's over at Archie. He's uh, he's head of uh, of publicity over at Archie. So nice. 
Yeah, we're all we're all still kicking. We're all still kicking. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, today uh, we're going to cover three books as usual. We've got Exiles uh, number ten, Excalibur number nine, and Exiles number eight. If I'm correct, so the the new Exiles series. Yeah, I think that's that's what you told me. So if that's not it, then <laughs> surprise, we're covering different books. <laughs> yeah, this is not an Excalibur Exiles podcast anymore. Um... <laughs> I hope you kept all those image number ones because that's all we're talking about. We're only talking about Shadowhawk. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know who that is. So, <laughs> and I read a lot of comics. Exactly, surprise! It's an ex- it's a, You guys are on my Shadowhawk podcast. I'm not on your Exiles Excalibur, Excalibur podcast. What? It's, I told you the multiverse is weird. Um, <laughs> Talking about new Excalibur books, though, uh, George, you sent a question out into the ether. I did. Um, asking, yes, asking people whose creative teams they wanted to see on the books. And we got some responses. Would you like... Uh, Pierce, I think you even threw in a lot of... Um, I, I did. I had I had a bunch. Oh, I don't even know if I could find it now. Well, uh, if, if, if we were good at our job, we'd have the lists in front of us right now. But... Um, I'm not good at my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit behind the scenes here. I I responded to a, a tweet about uh, Telltale Games closing down. Oh and, yeah, such a bummer. Yeah, and and I I worked in the game industry for I don't know seven years or something. So I I responded, and that tweet is kind of blown up. So I like sorting through my feed now is ridiculous because <laughs> it, it's been liked like over three thousand times. So. Whoa, you went viral. Yeah, so I'm like uh, trying to piece back through everything. It's kind of a pain. So if you guys can find any of these, I'd appreciate it. I I did find mine. Okay, yeah, let's go with Pierce first. Uh, So I I made a bunch of, of, I think I made like five uh, creative teams that I'd like to see. Leah Williams with Chris Bocciolo, because obviously I think, uh, and Leah worked on the Excalibur X-Men Gold annual, I'm pretty sure. So that would be cool. Also, just Chris Bocciolo is the best. Yeah. Uh, Cy Spurrier with Chris Pirate. Um, Cy, I guess, has a penchant for some weirdness. Uh, I don't know if you've read his recent book, Coda, uh, from Boom, I'm pretty sure. But it is some, like, weird, high fantasy nonsense. And his X-Force got pretty interesting. Had a rough start, but it got pretty interesting. Um, So I think he's a guy that would do something cool. And Chris Pirate's a guy that I know. Uh, from here in New York, who's just his artwork's wild, uh, a little bit Frank Quitely esque, but um, uh, I think would be really, I don't know, I think it would just be a, a, a weird, cool fit. Um, a pretty off the wall one, I guess, is Boots Riley, who just did uh, that movie, uh, Sorry to Bother You. Which is nuts, uh, if you've seen yeah. it. Yeah. It's great, but like crazy. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite movies of the year, and I, I don't think he's written any comics, but. Fuck it. Wait, can I curse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I think it would just be cool. And with Christian Ward, who I think is really an all-time talent uh, uh, and just keeps getting better. I mean, his stuff on Thor and uh, just everything he's done is is, uh, an odyssey with uh, Matt Fraction. Just really imaginative, imaginative stuff. Uh, My next one is kind of a joke, but kind of not, because it's Paul Shear and Jason Manzukis. They do. Uh, they were on the league. They were. Uh, they do the How Did This Get Made podcast. Um, but they always are peppering in kind of comic book references. So it's clear that they're pretty well versed uh, 
I've noticed uh, that, yeah. And uh, I think they even uh, congratulated Tom King and Mitch Gerards on their Eisner nom. Uh, I think Jason did. So, you know, I, I think that they know what's up. Uh, and I think they'd be, they're, I think they're two very funny guys um, who would definitely dig in and do some research. And for Excalibur, and, and I guess we'll get to this a little bit later, it's such a funny, goofy book. Like, you know, the, the Pratt Falls and the kind of, like, weirdness of it like i think you know, it would be great to have comedians in that world just taking advantage of it i sure. think um and then with uh, leonardo romero on art just because i love his work lately um i think it's really good and then i think this one seems actually pretty realistic al ewing with chris samney very cool um I saw Paul Shear and, and Manzukis on uh, an episode of the Chris Gethard show, uh, where they have to guess what's inside of a dumpster, and it's it the, sounds that's the best. Yeah, it sounds like a dumb episode, but it's it's comics related and it's super funny. So I, if, I did a uh, I did an episode of my show. Oh, so I had a little podcast called Comics Will Break Your Heart, and we had Chris on actually. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, we had Chris on to talk about uh, his favorite issue of. X Factor, which is X Factor number eighty-seven, which is uh, X Factor goes to therapy after after Executioner song. It's the fallout from Executioner song. We did that um, did that about a year ago after near Comic Con. Yeah, Chris is great. Uh, my band played on his show a few years ago. Oh, cool. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, that's the greatest hour of television. Whenever I have to try to get people into that show, I recommend that one, and it's usually the only one that anybody likes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then we also had uh, our friend Mike, right, Dan, from, is it Sweden or Switzerland? I think it's Sweden. Sweden. All Sweden. right. Uh, he said, um, he, he agrees, he just went with writers, but he said Al Ewing and uh, Kelly Thompson. Oh, yeah. On artists. And Kelly Thompson seems to be extremely popular, because I think everyone else has said, like, Jace, our friend Jason, that's Nick Cass, said Kelly Thompson as well. Um, we had, see, I don't know if I agree with talking talking snicked or ryan because he said rick remendo and john cassidy and i was like would that would that work I, I suppose it could work i guess um, if you like john cassidy um well yes <laughs> i suppose that would help immensely <laughs> i suppose that uh, they said because they said black science x-man was the was the pitch and i was like oh work. yeah um so yeah a lot of people um Jason said uh, Kelly Thompson with uh, Chris Bacalo and Rod Reyes um, on, art, on the art. I assume that means they were rotating artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I could I could see some of it. What 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 about you, um, Georgie? Who would you actually want to see? Well, I'd, I'd like to say thanks to Jason uh, for always chiming in. He's one of our <laughs> he's he's a friend of the show. And also, I want to shout out to Ryan, who's uh, sort of a new friend of ours, who has a uh, Wolverine centric podcast. So thank you very much for, for chiming in. We appreciate it. Um, for me, I, I really want, um, you know, I want hope, sorry, Thompson to write everything. I'm like the biggest fan at the moment. So, uh, outside of Thompson writing though, I was thinking maybe Dennis hopeless, um, who we haven't seen in a while. I, I feel like he gets to the heart of the characters. And so, uh, uh, a, a book like Excalibur, I'd love to see the characters, not just like, portrayed truly but but like honestly in, in the book be about the characters so I, I feel like hopeless would be great there and then 
artist Bacalo would would be a great fit. Uh, I think someone mentioned Samney, who I also is, I also think would would be lovely. Um, so, you know, any of those people, if they're interested, I'd, I'd love to see them uh, do an Excalibur book. What about you, Dan? Yeah. <clears throat> everyone keeps talking about um, Ecstatic coming back, and I'd actually love to see Milligan and Allred tackle oh, Excalibur. Yeah. Sure. Because um, having a, a guy, not because it's Excalibur is inherently British, but having a British guy get the uh, accent right would be nice for a change. Um, <laughs> I, but I like the accent I, not, being, not being right. That's part of the, the like the charm of it. And I think I think Allred would do wonders visually with it. Of um, course. With like Techna and all the crazy stuff. Because we already had the question of who we'd want on teams. So it'd all be very different, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, also, too, I would kind of dig Grant Morrison doing an Excalibur book. Uh, yeah. But that's also because I'm a huge mark for Grant Morrison. Uh, <laughs> that's that's just... Him, uh, if it, if it was him and Quietly, then yeah, that'd be oh insane. Like I a literally, little... I'm literally wearing a new X-Men... I'm wearing a new X-Men hoodie that looks like the the jackets. So I'm 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 full on for fully in for that one. I would that would be fun. I would be like equal parts excited and nervous because I feel like he could do some amazing things with that book, but then also like some world altering things. Like I don't know, like he could take Nightcrawler in some crazy way that would like be interesting, but you'd find out he's really a, a space alien from another dimension and like it would blow, it would blow continuity. Not that we're all about continuity, but it would like change my perception of everything Marvel. So it's like half of me is is, is eagerly anticipating a book like that, and half of me is like, oh, oh God, what will he do? Yeah, that's fair. I think I think Excalibur is like the um, like the crazy uncle or the weird stepchild of the X books that sort of doesn't quite click with the rest of the family, but they all have them around for tea anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think, I think, I think that's the voice that needs to, it needs to be different to the rest of them. Cause then what's the point of having another, it's just another X book if they're all the, all the same. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But, well, thanks everybody for chiming in. We appreciate it. Um, I think, uh, you know, as we go through this exiles book, I, I blasted out a couple images yesterday of, of, of what we're going to see, and I'm going to ask you guys as well as we go through who some of these people are that are appearing in this book because it looks like random, random dude, random woman all over the place. So let's a see lot of scruffy white dudes. <laughs> yeah. So let's see if we can figure out who who's in this book. But uh, but starting off, uh, we've got one of these wonderful wonderful covers. Um, <laughs> so so Dan, you want to take it away? Well, okay, so we're at issue 10 now, and because um, we keep getting confused on whether what part this is, because um, <laughs> it's going on for a while, it would feel like. But at least this cover isn't as bad as the weird one where John looks like a kangaroo, and yeah, that one. But um, So we have Smiling Moth and Mimic with his really intense bug um, goggles mm-hmm. on the front page, and... The digital colouring is still on point, and even the ultimate border marking is there. And as always with my collection, I don't have any of the paraphernalia, so any of the title or anything, it's just the image. So I just get to see it in all of its glory without any of the kooky things that happen on top. top. (laughs) Pierce, how are you reading this? 
on on Marvel Unlimited. Okay, same as me. Are, do you have like a like a ribbon on the bottom right of the cover? Yes, I do. Okay. Tell me what's on the cover because it's literally it's just a blank image. I I missed out on these wonderful marketing plies that they have it's... on the front cover. Go ahead, I Pierce. guess this one came out right around. Still there? Have we lost one? I feel like I feel we like may we... have lost Pierce. For five seconds. You all right? Oh. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. No worries, man. It happens. Okay. Go, go off and tell me what's on this front cover. Yeah, so Please. what is? do you have any idea what this ribbon is for? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, September 11th, right? So, um, uh, you know, the, the two towers. So. Oh, I see it now. I thought it was just like an, an, an error in, in the image. No, no. <laughs> uh, no, because there's like a very small ribbon in the bottom right corner, and there are two black like slots in it, uh, like jutting up from the bottom. And I thought it yeah, was just it looks a little in... weird. Yeah, but but yeah, no, that's that's the that's the twin towers. Because um, I guess this was this came out soon after uh, September 11th, probably the month after. Hmm. Which which. Put, putting this issue in that con it's kind of crazy putting this issue in that context uh but and also that point in time um and then uh and then there's like the cool little headshot up in the corner little the uh with blink i think it's last issue's cover right yeah so that's cool i like the exiles logo too i think it's cool i do like the logo do you have like two yellow dots on the left side as well oh yeah i don't know what that's about Okay then. <laughs> there's a lot of, I mean, there's just a lot of errors in this book, though. This I've noticed a lot of 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 Marvel Unlimited. You know, I've heard stories that they don't have all of the original artwork, so some of these are scans and etc. So, who knows? Um, that what... doesn't surprise me at all. Oh wow! Insider information. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Honestly, too, like the way they're digitized is like kind of random. Mm-hmm. You know that like when when I was an intern, we would have to post like every week, like oh, twenty more books got digitized, and it was just like there's no rhyme nor reason to it. And really, the reason for that was just because no matter what you were digitizing, somebody would always want something else, so they would just try to hit like a bunch of books across, you know, twenty books a week every week, and eventually we'll get through some of it. You know, <laughs> jeez, I feel bad for the people doing the digitizing. Sat there. They also, my department also used to do, and this was before that first Netflix deal that got all the cartoons on Netflix. They were digitizing all the cartoons too and putting them on Marvel.com. So you used to be able to watch every Marvel cartoon on Marvel.com, huh. every episode of it, like eight See, years ago. In this, in, this country, in this country, it's really difficult to watch any Marvel cartoon um, unless you have like, Sky, which has the Disney Channel. Um, aside from that, I think you have to pay for everything. Um, obviously, you have to pay. No, I mean, like, obviously, you have to pay. I right. mean, like, there's no streaming service. Like, our Netflix doesn't have Arrow or, um, like, any of the CW shows, which I think your Netflix does. We have yeah. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime has it instead, which is a ball ache, um, <laughs> if nothing else. So, it's, yeah. 
Anyway, <laughs> this is this is why we left. Yep, I get. I, I understand now. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I'd leave as well. Um, so, what do you think of the cover? Like, it, in in my opinion, this is better than the previous two covers we've seen. Not great, but but better. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. It is better than the other, possibly better than the other two. But then it's. I don't think when I. It's one of those covers where I don't think, unless you're collecting the series, it wouldn't jump. Be like, oh wow, that looks like something I'd buy. Oh, no. man with man with giant goggles on his head. I'm and pretty white, sure. White, white. I'm pretty sure that Morph's teeth alone would turn me off from buying this on off the shelf. <laughs> yeah, like in 2001, I would have been 12 years old, and there I want no part of this book at 12 years old. It's like what I just can't get over the the bug-eyed goggles. I generally don't know why obs- I'm obsessed with them. They don't even have straps. They don't even have straps. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. They're just like I just don't get what's going on. It's like, also, eyes? why are his ears so low? More room for the goggles. <laughs> but like, think about think about the dimensions of his head. Mm. It just doesn't really make any sense. Like his sideburns still end before, like at the top of his ear. Like, what's going on under those goggles? <laughs> he had to make some sacrifices to get those goggles on. Don't, don't judge him. Why didn't he just put it over his eyes? Like, wouldn't that have been a better image? Like, wouldn't that make more sense? And, and wait, how is he reflecting in his own goggles? <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> He's looking at a picture of himself upside down. That's what's happening right Like, now. is he looking in a mirror or something? I have no like, idea what's going on here. This is a terrifying cover. It's more of a vampire, then, because he has no reflection. Literally, he's not in <laughs> goggles as well. Oh my god, this cracked the code, this fun cover. Um, Either way, I'm going to be happy when we're done with these kind of covers. Oh boy. <laughs> right, so I know that you, on your Marvel Unlimited, you often have different writers um, <laughs> and creators um, that do issues, uh, Georgie. Like last time you mentioned there was a writer when, according to my book, it is only Judd Winnick and only his voice <laughs> throughout the whole thing. So who is the creative this time around for you? Um, unfortunately, I've, I've, I've canceled, not canceled, but like cut off the page that, that lists uh, who the writer is there. So I don't know. Uh, sorry. So well, according to, according to my collection, it's Judwinick, and I'm assuming from the look of it, it's Mike McCone. Um, oh, yeah, is, it is. Uh, which would probably make it Mark McKenna that's doing... Inks. Okay, like, I've got, I've got it. Like it's so I've 15. got. Yeah, letterer Paul Tutrone is here. Penciler Mike yep. McCone. Writer Judd Winnick. Colorist Transparency Digital. That's that's all I have on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, it's always Transparency Digital according to this. Yeah, there's two more inkers though in in the inside of the book. Great. Is it Eric Cannon and John Holdridge, or is it? Jimmy it's Holdridge, Holdridge, but an also just. It, the inks are just listed as Holdridge, McKenna, and Wong. Oh, I was going to say Walden Wong. Oh, I have okay. like, I have I have like five inkers according to this, but because I have the the first collection of like the first twelve issues. Oh, okay. And it just has it all at the front, and it doesn't tell me who does what because that's something that the graphic novels are starting to do or have started to do recently, where they actually tell you what pages, what inkers, and what artists right, do. Right. But this collection came out when it was just all of these people did everything. No hmm. one cares about where they did it. 
Um, they're just in this book at some point. So yes, anyway, a world apart, part three, not four of three, um, as opposed to last week where you thought it was part three of three. Because the cover said part um, three of three, that's why. Yeah, the cover is wrong. <laughs> that that cover is wrong, and like, man, there's just spelling errors all over the place in this issue, and letter boxes are missing. I don't know. I'm intrigued to see if if mine's. I'm gonna have to get another one because I'm intrigued to see if mine's different or not. Being it being it printed, um, as a collection or not? Probably not. Um, but anyway, we start with Galactus making a doohickey on TV. We have. Georgie's first lineup of random anonymous people. Uh, we have a lot of narration again saying about, you know, these are heroes, blah, blah, blah. They have the freedom. They're fighting for the freedom. Um, then... yeah, Dan, sorry to jump in, but this first page, I saw all these word boxes and I was like, oh no, not already. Not from the start. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just Willick's poetry in motion um <laughs> that, that question that question mark is supposed to be there kids um so who so yes we've got this the, little the, panel of people i think there's some obvious like who's who here but there's some very unobvious people do you guys so, venture, so, venture any guesses well i was gonna ask who you are missing like who 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 who, who are you picking out of this who can you pick out the lineup well this this cyclops with some crazy visor action uh Crystal, because you know she always has those like black bands in her hair. Yeah. Uh, and Morbius, and um, uh, a man thing in the background. But uh, outside of that, there's four white people, just random dudes and women here. I'm pretty sure the bald guy is Crusher Creel. Ah, the absorbing man. Yeah, that's the absorbing man. Because he generally he looks like that. Right. See, I want I want to see the guy with the the beard is is Colossus only because recently I've seen him mostly with beard. So I just want is to say that Colossus. Colossus? It probably isn't. It probably really isn't. I just I'm just hoping that he has a beard in this in this universe. I feel like most of these people don't really show up again. Because yeah, I thought that was Peter, but the Peter looks different. Oh, and I thought one of them was Reed, but again, looks way different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, the the girl could be anyone. The 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 random shothead girl could literally be. Anyone. That's uh, Kitty Pride now. Is that Kitty Pride now? Okay, sure. <laughs> that, let's go with it. So we've sort of answered your question. I mean, the the, the answer is it's it's not obvious. It's it it could be anyone. Is the answer? Yeah, and it's never. It's like never explained. This book, this issue is just a mess. Yes, because from um, like a joke about Patton, um, we jump to Morph guiding Reed, Banner Beast, and Peter. And is that Quicksilver? I assume that's Quicksilver. Um, sort of unlocking a vault where the squirrels have put loads of weapons in a vault. And that's essentially the sort of main thrust of the pages, of the next two pages, where they're just attempting to find something to stop Galactus. And at first I thought it was the Cosmic Cube, but apparently it's, like, the arrowhead to strike... I, I don't remember. It's it's a device that will kill him, um, apparently, is what they find. And it's all very upsetting, and Nocturne's wardrobe still isn't improved um, <laughs> at all. 
even no. with access to more clothing. And um, I don't know what what's going on with Morph's hair. Like why he chose to do that, like short black hair with the part on the side. Like I have no idea what he's trying. Do you know what what he's trying to be here? Um, I I was trying to figure that out too. Office dude, <laughs> stressed office dude. I don't know. It's the same reason why I don't understand why Blink has changed from her costume into like some sort of gladiatorial garb, just because she can, I suppose. Man, how did you know? I know that like people rag on current current comics when like stuff gets by editors, but it's just like who. Did anybody read this before? <laughs> like I like I just can't parse what's happening, even though everybody only seems like they're just standing around. <laughs> that is literally what, yeah. That's the best way to describe it. The next couple of pages is just people discussing things. Stood there, holding them. Women are holding themselves with one arm because it's what they do. Men are telling women that they can't go to battle if they're pregnant. Um, oh yeah, because uh, someone's pregnant, Dan. You are uh, who's pregnant. Spoilers, um, it's not turned. And then we have the joke that Morph now knows that everything about John works. Um. Which, I, all I thought about when I when you get the pregnancy thing, I was like, this makes sense because Judd Winnick was on Real World. Like, this just <laughs> felt, it just felt like an episode of the real world. Like, people just kind of <laughs> standing around talking, and then somebody's like, actually, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh. You know, right I had no idea he wrote for Real World. No, no, no. He did not write for it. He was on it. He He was was a contestant? Cast member. What? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you feel like this was like... Do you mean in the sense that it feels staged? Like a reality TV show? Like someone's like, right, we're all going to get you to stand here. It's kind of like reality TV show drama where it's just like, why are these people standing... like? isn't something supposed to be happening? Is anything going on? It's just like people in a room. Like they're not even, there's no furniture. They're just like, (laughs) there's not even like a chair, you know, they're just like standing around kind of, um, at one point. And at one point there's so many balloons that there are three other characters blocked out entirely that we like, can't even (laughs) see. Like, it's so weird. But but there's more words for you for your money obviously Pierce uh, doesn't doesn't matter if those words are not good um, as long as there's words he spent yeah. money on isn't that isn't that some of people's attitude anyway yes so the pregnancy's there to um, fake some sort of stakes and emotional thing because you know the our exiles haven't really had any um, since the decent opener to this arc they haven't had any emotional oomph to the story. Our connection at all to the to the people since they freed them because technically they could have just ended it last issue with them freeing the hum the, the rest of the superheroes and Galactus devours the planet and they just leave. Um, that could have been the ending. I would have. I would have. So the, their goal was to make sure the scrolls aren't aren't also destroyed. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, the, the goal was just end everything. <laughs> this this one this one's just this one's a bad one. Just 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 let it go. But yeah. So um. What I don't understand is, is this Earth's military trying to kill him? Or is this Reed with all the rockets? Because I got kind of confused. I if... think it's both. Because I, I, I didn't think we would have a military after 100 years of alien oh, no, occupation. I, I, so, I, I, as you guys mentioned, the, the flow of the story is kind of incomprehensible. This stuff just sort of happens like it was planned, but, but it just randomly happens. So I'm pretty sure this is part of the plan. And... Uh, the missiles being fired 
are by Nocturne. Cause she, they were talking about she's one of the be- the better pilots, so she has to be part of the assault. So um, I'm pretty certain these rockets are f- because she's up in the air firing rockets at Galactus. It doesn't give you much breathing room. It's kind of like um, Galactus, uh, Deus Ex Machina weapon, pregnancy rockets. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. Basically, thing, um, through. that's why I got kind of confused on what, what I'm attempting oh, no. to. Cause I've, I've read it three times, and I'm still kind of like, who's firing these things? But, um, it's, not, it's not clearly defined. But no. the first assault doesn't work, is essentially what we get here. And... Um, Apparently that leaves, but it does highlight there's a hole in the shield surrounding Galactus where Steve Rogers and another bunch of randos um, decide to go in and get melted by Galactus. <laughs> Was that their plan all along? <laughs> to annoy him for five seconds. Well, I guess... Uh, yeah. They, like, they're aware of who Galactus is, right? <laughs> well, here's another but, panel of, of random people. Um, we, know, we know this is Cap, but everyone else in this panel... I couldn't tell you. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's um, uh, Black Widow next to Cap. Okay. Oh, I was thinking because of the way her hair was that it was like magma. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be either. I guess it could. I, and then everybody else, who knows? Is that, that one? Does that a guy have goat legs? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or are his legs just rocks? Or did like... Mike McCone start drawing a rock and then decide it was a human? Like, what's happening there? Has he got pointed ears as well? Yeah. Um, yeah so J- I thought with the hair, I thought it was um, Magneto, like youngish Magneto I with the hair. And the... Jason called him old man uh, Namor for a minute. Oh. <laughs> but Namor's in a different panel, so it's not him. Oh, also the red-haired girl's got pointed ears too. Oh. Well, it could just be anyone. So, it? who knows? And then maybe the guy with the headband in the back is Forge? Yeah, and then some sort of weird crushed-faced dude and a robot dude. <laughs> but they all die. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Was that, the, was that part of the plan? Or no. just, just the fact that Cap was kind of like, I can do it, and then he just gets murdered? Yeah, it was not part of the plan. Yes. And then we have, um, then we move over to the Mole Man, who blows shit up for no real reason. But it does sort of upset. I think the Mole Man does more than anyone else has done recently. It just destroys his machine, and it allows us allows Blink a moment to assemble the, I want to say Avengers, but the cast of many people um, for a splash page. And I assume, Georgie, you're going to tell me that there's even more people here you don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean everyone. I, I, I'm particularly taken by the woman who's like upside down, like attacking crotch first here. I don't I don't know what's happening. <laughs> well I right, so Abomination's definitely there. And sure. obviously our, our our heroes mimic and blink are there. Right. And that that's skin from sure. Yeah, there's skin. And, and there's, there's Dragon Map. There's Namor down below, right? Which Is one's Namor? Namor? I mean look at it that widow's pit. Colossus, honestly. That that widow's peak has got to be Namor, right? He doesn't have pointy ears, though. Raw, yeah, sure. And then, well, that's the thing. Yeah, the thing. Oh, and there's Puck. Yeah, there is Puck because there's a tiny yeah, but I couldn't 
tell you. Is that Luke Cage then? Maybe? I don't know. Or is that me being slightly offensive because it's the only black person on the page? <laughs> um, but that vampire looks familiar. Isn't that vampire dude looks familiar? Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I can say. I couldn't give you his name. Just he kind of looks like the jackal, but he's like the wrong color. No, it looks Maybe. like. I mean, we can make references to, to some of these characters, kind of pick them out, but this could be a random image number one team from 1996 or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, the girl that's upside down, how is her loincloth staying on? Like, what's gravity in on this world? I don't know what's going on there. There's too much bulge. Um, yeah, there's a lot happening. Oh, and Dragon Man, obviously, is there. Yep, with his... Yeah. So, what happens next is a giant slugfest. Uh, the brawlers attempt to stop him. The fire people attack him. They, they seem to be attacking based solely on power sets. Um, I do like the panel. Or I do like the idea that the Summers Brothers and Mimic fire um, what they've got at him. And everyone's basically doing their best, but it's not good enough. And in this overly dramatic uh Narration boxes. We find out that Thunderbird is the only person that can stop uh, Galactus, and Thunderbird turns into a giant mutant horn dragon lizard thing. And, We've not uh, seen him go this like beast mode before, have we? He went quite beasty. But he didn't he have the, the tail horn. before. I don't think he had a tail. I think this is full, full war mode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is like full full horseman mode, right? Right. Yeah, and he he punches um, into Galactus's back and saves the day, but not without sacrificing himself, unfortunately. And we get probably the most character work of the book in the last few pages, where they're discussing what's happening next, and obviously uh, TJ's got some hope that they just wait. And he might come out of the coma, but unfortunately, the Talus has other ideas and brings in spoilers. One of my favorite characters of the entire book, uh, the new Sasquatch, in, and as part of the team, and she's very upset. And they teleport away, and the other people that are left standing aren't really that bothered. Um, the end. I can't believe it's like the Talus is calling us away. Like, oh, by the way, I'm Sasquatch, your new partner. Blink! Like it's yeah. That quick. <laughs> what? I think. No, I think. What Woodick <laughs> was trying to achieve was like a sudden gut punch of like they've gone, it's gone, you know. Oh, and no, I just I... Don't, I, but I think he stretches it out far too much to make it seem well, like I a sudden thing. I think the problem with the whole arc is I think there are a few things like the world that they're on. I, I mean, I think you guys said it last episode. It's just like the normal characters. Son of a bitch. <laughs> every, time, every time he starts to go on a roll, he disappears. I link to the multiversal um, telephone. Raya is obviously very bad. You know, this is Judd Winnick. He's he's pulling a, a gut punch on us right now. He's made Pierce disappear. He's blinked him away. <laughs> I'm keeping this part in the podcast. <laughs> you would do. I would do too. I can't believe he's literally been teleported away. Damn you, Judd Winnick. Oh, he's okay. back. Hello? Back. 
You know, you we, hear me? Yeah, we were, we were speaking about a gut punch of people being blinked away and suddenly you disappeared. <laughs> and then he did it again. I should not have said that. <laughs> Sorry, not to, not to. <laughs> Must not laugh. This Hello? Not... Hello. Hello, okay. Alright. I think it's my I think it's my internet. Is just terrible. Well you are helicoptering again. Ah oh, fucking A. Um uh, it's multiversal interference. Yeah. It should win X fault. This is all Jadwinik's fault, that's for sure. And then he was gone again. Stop mentioning Jadwinik's name. <laughs> it's like the candy man, but he blinks people away. <laughs> I can't even... Hello? He's back. Don't say the writer's name, Dan. Otherwise, Pierce will disappear again. <laughs> oh, nuts. Wait, am I here? You're here. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Right. Okay, I'm back. Oh, wow. I'm not allowed to say his name because <laughs> you teleport away every time. <laughs> uh, it's the talus, you know. Um, Pierce, you're going to have anyway. to listen to this episode afterward because... This is this is some weird multiversal shit happening here. So what's weird is I can hear you guys. <laughs> That's why I don't understand what's happening. So it's more okay, like a so, back to the future, you're fading away kind of a thing? Yeah, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. <laughs> oh dear. Don't do that to me, I'll cry. <laughs> um, so, so I think the thing about this arc that just kind of makes it a dud, and I didn't... I, I kind of remembered liking this when I read it the first time, but rereading it, I was like, Ugh, what's happening? Pacing wise, it's all over the place. It feels like it feels like uh, Judd Winnick sort of had the idea for World War Hulk, but then like couldn't put it all together, you know, and then was kind of like watched one soap opera and was like, well, I guess things need to happen. And I guess I'll do the overwrought Claremont narration and I don't know. It certainly definitely feels like, um, I don't know if it was himself or someone said that maybe we need the teams based on the idea that anything can happen and it's 10 issues now and only one person's died of your team. <laughs> so, like, kill someone. Because to be fair, the person he's actually put six feet under is the character he only really just fleshed out a couple of issues ago and hasn't really come back to him since. Yeah. You uh, might as well have killed... Um, I don't want... I didn't want Sunfire to die, but you might as well have killed Mariko because there was literally nothing... No, char- no character there. There's no character work there. But uh, it does feel very much like someone has to die now and we'll yeah. kill him off. After we, we, we fleshed out John, he kind of just stuck in the back seat, and it feels like, I don't really know what to do with this guy, and we need, uh, we need some sort of emotional stake, so what if, what if he disappeared from the book? And we make Nocturne pregnant sure. to make it seem less. Because I, I guess in that regard, they, they should have revealed that Nocturne was pregnant so much sooner, so that even all the characters have a, like more stakes, you know? Like, I don't know. 
It would have been more interesting. You're right. It would have been more interesting to find out she was pregnant while locked up at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. therefore, everyone's scrambling to try and help more. Because <laughs> they just seem to just plot around and just wait for Reed Richards to turn up. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what I think with, uh, it, you know, uh, all is fair in matters of love and the multiverse. And usually what you do is to just wait for Re- a Reed Richards to show up and things <laughs> will probably be fine. So, but yeah, we've, we've kind of like demeaned this story uh, probably enough. What do you guys think of the artwork? <laughs> because um, there are, you know, you know, when the first, the first time that Galactus appeared uh, like two books ago, we were like, wow, that's a great page. And I feel like the, the panels that still feature Galactus are, are fun to look at. But I'd like to know what you guys think artwork-wise uh, about this book, especially some of the layouts. Uh, for example, when they, they reveal that Nocturne's pregnant and there's sort of an odd choice of layouts there. Uh, what do you guys think of the artwork? Well, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, I think most of the Galactus stuff looks pretty cool. Um, but it, it it's still doing, like, with the missiles, still doing that sort of widescreen Brian Hitch thing that I don't think is totally suited for this book because then when you are getting those smaller character moments, it, they just feel, I don't know, it, it feels so weird, like, to go from those, like, literally that pregnancy page, right, where she's got her... Uh, her her head on like John's chest, and then we go like right into like battle mode. Yeah, it's so jarring, sure. and it's just it's such a waste of space to give half of that page or a quarter of that page is just black, like it's just blank. You know, I don't know. It, it feels like, yeah, I don't know. It feels like too too sort of. It feels like a little contrived, I guess. Like they're trying to gain, like put weight into the story that's not really there, um, before changing gears entirely and giving us like weird planes and missiles. Because like the first issue um, the, of the, of the arc managed to balance, or mostly balance, like like the big spectacle, widescreen action, and the character moments, and then yeah, it sort of yeah. the, the next issue was more widescreen, and this one tries to bring it back but doesn't ever get there because none of the character moments visually work let alone like in the script because holy crap if you're gonna throw all of those text boxes all over your page um make them mean something if they're gonna take up most of the space of your of your um like only a few people can sort of get away with the claremont narration and i don't think when it because he has done it for the, throughout the whole of this arc, and I don't think he succeeds. Mm. And it there's like a like a million, um, and it just interrupts the flow. Because I actually don't mind the double page spread of um, Galactus's head with all the fire, and Hulk tries to uh, put the device in, gets knocked, and then James um, lizards out and goes for it. I don't mind the action sequence. What I do mind is it just. I feel like that could have been silent. And it would have been fine. Yeah, I, I, I do kind of agree with you. Also, I can just really tell where there's different anchors. I can't tell who's who, obviously. But, like, man, there's just, like, stuff going on with, like, clothing and expression work. And, like, the amount of detail in both sure. of those things that sure. you can just, like, it changes drastically. Like, those opening pages 
even just I think Blink is really the character because she changes her clothes the least kind of where you can really tell that that's the case. Like so she's got I don't know, like uh, things are just so weird. There's just weird inconsistency in the book. And, and that's what's kind of frustrating. And I think that takes away from the effectiveness of like Morph's humor and, you know, some of the acting and emotional stakes just because like none of the characters look consistent across the book. And then even when you get your smattering of random white guys, you're just like, all right, I guess I'm supposed to care about this. Like, what? It's really, it's just a weird moment. It just feels very, the whole thing, I think, I think Pierce said it feels contrived and it, it's forced. Oh, yeah. The whole yeah. arc has been, I feel like they just got to like a point where someone just decided, oh, shit, we really need to do something big, maybe. <laughs> and they just decided to just take three issues out and, and spoilers for later, I think they do it again. And it might work a little better later, but um, and weirdly enough, I think it's in twelve issues' time, so it kind of falls in <laughs> the same sort of distance. But I, I just no, 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 it feels like sort of like um, you know when TV shows have those have, your American TV shows have those sweep weeks or whatever it is, mm-hmm. where yeah, something ridiculous yeah, to try and get yeah. more views. Feels like that is like oh, because I, I feel like this could have easily been marketed, and I guarantee you, listeners, the next one that I'm talking about is heavily marketed with the who will die um, <laughs> moniker and I just feel that that's kind of like what we're getting here as opposed to a, a, a semi-decent story just a sort of sens- sensational free arc clusterfuck um, it's the best term I've got <laughs> for it it's a bit disappointing because that first issue of the arc we, we enjoyed I think yeah so it this, had, is, it had momentum. this has kind of gone out on a, on a whimper uh, I will still state there there are several Galactus panels that the ones that focus more on him than the other characters that I, I do enjoy, uh, like where he's getting like, the explosions going off in his back and you see him like hands up, knees down. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so um, I guess there are those tiny little bright spots in here, but otherwise, I think we're kind of glad to be done with this arc. Yeah. Right. right well. Uh, the next issue, looking at the cover, looks to be very problematic. Because <laughs> do you have do you have the covers up, guys? Can you look at what's coming up next? Oh yes, I can. Oh, what's I don't in... think I do. Hold on. Mariko's in like a little black dress. Uh, <laughs> ass is like three quarters of the way out, looking into a mirror that is morph, and it's oh jeez. I don't know what's gonna happen, but wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't know she had a tattoo, um, and that's why I'm gay. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, maybe we'll finally sorry, get like yeah, some characterization yeah, for her. You know, maybe that's the whole point. Maybe it's like a joke or something. <laughs> Misconception. You know, I kind of feel like uh, like like covers like that are sort of the antithesis of the funny covers of Excalibur. Yeah. Yes. Um, even kind of the one that we're covering today in Excalibur, uh, what is it, number nine, where it's like there's supposed to be a joke on the cover, but this is not really, yeah, Exiles number 11 is not really a joke. It's just kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great, great time to segue over into Excalibur number nine. Um, with, uh, I think we've got a regular team back, Dan, which is, is good news. All but the um, all but um, Glennis Oliver, which oh I'm right, sad about, which yeah, is my favorite. 
Yep, we have Colors. John Wilcox on for colors this time. Yeah, I think he does a pretty good job. I like the colors. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just I, I miss her already. Does she come <laughs> back? She, I think she comes back later, but she's not on it at the moment. All right. For a little while. Well, uh, Excalibur number nine. Uh, on the cover, we've got uh, Brian trying to put on his old costume with his other teammates sort of knocked out on a pedestal in a museum. Uh, that it's been visited by a family of lizard people. Um, so, as as Pierce just mentioned, it's it's, it's just another silly cover um, and, and an enjoyable one. I, I love the expression on on Brian's face, uh, like he's just been caught in the dressing room. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of this cover? <laughs> it's awesome. I, just, I love Alan I love Davis. It. I love it. I also love the fact that this museum allows dogs in. But, um... Yeah, the lizard dog. <laughs> yeah. And I like that the kids dropped his ice cream because that's exactly how I would feel. I wouldn't be looking up there. I'd be looking down at that ice cream going, damn it. <laughs> um, no, I generally love it. I love the fact that Kitty's resting on um, Kat's rump, essentially. <laughs> and his, and, and his uh, tail is tied in a knot. Yeah. Yeah. As always, it's a great cover. So. Yeah, I think, spoiler, but we're kind of back to form with this issue uh, for the most part. So, uh, at the end of last issue, uh, we had the Excaliburs uh, in New York, and Brian had just sort of learned a, a lesson about women, I guess. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was an odd issue. I'm sorry. I just laughed at the fact that he learned anything. I um, mean, maybe he learned something. I don't know. It was a, <laughs> an odd issue. But either way, uh, our team is in New York. Uh, so this issue starts off in the lighthouse uh, in uh, the UK with our, our friendly uh, pet dragon Lockheed sort of guarding the fort. Um, he feels like Shadowcat has come back, but it's not really Shadowcat. It's a evil Shadowcat with, with Nazi Excalibur people. And I have to ask, what do you guys think of these costumes? I love them. I think they're so cool. They're just the best. Like, we've always said this about uh, Kurt's wardrobe, and even alternate reality Kurt has just so much style. Um, and it's just insane. I love his glasses. He's what like shame. smoking a cigarette too. He's got that spit curl. You know, he he. The the thing I, I wrote in my notes, I was like, oh, he looks with the spit curl and the and the glasses. He looks like uh, the Eradicator from Superman. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know, especially because he's evil, too. I was like, oh, man, this is just like a cool. <sighs> he just looks so cool. Like, I know they're Nazis, like, fuck Nazis. But right. yes, they look really cool. There's a difference like, between did... being like pro-Nazi and being like, oh, that's great design work. That's, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that he's got little claws on all of his little fingers and toes as well. Yeah. Um, and I like that it is a uniform, but still his uniform. And I can't. I feel so bad for Kitty with the the um, Jewish star like bent into her forehead. Yeah, it's pretty. Ghost oof. Kitty, yeah. But I really do. Yeah. I actually like Megan's uniform quite quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, with the eagle was, there. Uh, yeah, with, around the bustier the bus- there. Yeah. I like the incorporation of the swastika in um, Captain um, Britain. Britain's new uniform. Does he have a, another name? Um, it is Captain Burton, but in German. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. That's what, all yeah, what does Kurt call him? Hauptmann England. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
I can't. I'm not going to do like an accent. I feel like there's an accent needed for that. But um, yeah, I I love Evil Excalibur. They're great. Um, although I feel bad for Lockheed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it really looks like his neck has just been wrong here, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not great. He's not dead though, so don't 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 worry. Um, yeah. But uh, then we go off to the. Um, the remains of the Xavier Mansion. Uh, luckily, everything below the ground is still safe. And we've got Kitty running some tests on Brian because he seems to be losing his powers. Um, and these are some, some a great bit of like humor. And actually, I, I kind of really enjoyed a lot of the color work here. Um, it was a little unique. I, I, I want to ask you guys how you feel about uh, Kitty being in sort of like gray skin tone sometimes and what you feel like that's supposed to denote in, in, the, in the images here. Oh, I thought it was like the computer screens. Yeah, I thought it was like just the, that light. Doctor. Cool. Um, so I love it too. The coloring is great. I love, ugh, I know we talk about Alan Davis drawing hair all the time, but like Kitty's hair oh, is yeah. great so good and like her like there's just so much there's so it's the thing that i talk about in reviews a lot and i don't know if it comes across to most comic book fans but like acting is such a thing in comic book art you know and on these pages there's so much acting i mean these characters are not just posed doing a thing like we're catching them in these moments you know where like your brain very easily fills in what they're doing. Like, like Alan Davis pages move and it's so crazy. I think that's what distinguishes um, this when we review both, both of them. And that's what we always come across is that no offense to exiles, but we never use the words like the characters emote or their emotional states where we always talk about it with Alan Davis's work. Um, Cause like I generally love the panel of Brian just lifting that random weight up like he's Superman and he's yeah. struggling and it's just, just it feels just like it, much like the homage to Superman in the last issue. Um, it feels like a nice little sort of callback to that kind of homage and the whole training period. And I just love Kitty with her bubble gum and pencil in her hair. Yeah, purposely torturing Brian, which you know people should because he's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> And so, that Brian's in X-Men stuff. That's kind of cute. I yeah, yeah, cute. yeah. He's got, like, the New Mutants pants on. Yeah. But even, like, even uh, Megan's, like, looks in the background, like, in every panel that she's in in the background, Davis purposefully puts an emotion on her face, you know? Something that you can understand, that she's worried, that she's, like, letting Kitty go through with this kind of, but she doesn't really feel great about it. You know, that she's, it's just so good. Like, we're only on, like, page, like, three, and I'm just, like, I'm blown up. Like, there's already so much more in this already oh, yeah. from an artistic standpoint. This, than, is, like, this, almost... is why, this is why it always annoys me when no one ever mentions um, Excalibur or anything when it comes to, like, the 80s and good comic books. But anyway, <laughs> I say that every time. You do. It's, it's it. worth mentioning. I love that despite Brian being sort of the worst boyfriend and, and really showing no emotions towards Megan at all, she is still <laughs> so worried about like yeah. this predicament that he's in. Uh, but, uh, but also, too, like and a little bit farther through where he's flapping his arms. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, there's great like, comedic moments, for sure. Uh, 
just so good. It's so good. It's so good. I love that Kitty. So Kitty's running Brian through all these tests, right? To, to, to gauge uh, what's happening to her, his powers, and she can tell he's he's tired. And she's like, hey, "I want you to take a break." He's like, "Good, I need a break." And then she just like socks him in the stomach with the yeah. metal pole. I gave him a moment. I think <laughs> is what she says. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. Um, so he he gets put through his, his tests. Uh, eventually, these these arms come out. Instead of shooting lasers, they shoot paint at him, and he's supposed to dodge. And needless to say, he gets smothered in paint. And uh, the the word balloons, as he's being hit, that sort of start small and then get larger as he's getting hit with more and crashing into more. Like it's a great way to animate what's happening off screen. I love it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And also, my favorite panel is on this page, which is Nightcrawler doing his best Batman impression coming out of the ventilation system with Kitty looking towards him. That's just my favorite panel of the entire issue. Out of many good panels. I just, for some reason, I just love it. Like, her little look towards him is just oh, yeah. amazing. And him but, just yeah. like, hi. They're I'm both like the laughing at how hard this is for Brian. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just like the fact that he's in the vents. Like, why is Nightcrawler just walking? Yeah, he could have used the door. But and he's like looking pretty fashionable too. He's got this like cool shirt on. Of course he is. It's like the the most clothes I've ever seen Kurt wear. Kurt, um, as 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 our listeners will know, Kurt is the most fashionable person. Oh yeah. Think. Although hey, Rachel, Rachel does pretty well in this one too. She walks in and like that. Uh, I, I guess it looks almost like leather with like the uh, like leather dress with the white belt. Maybe they're having a fashion off this time around. Yeah, I don't know. They look like they're competing, and then she goes all Phoenix on uh, on Megan. It finally makes sense look- why they started dating in gold now. Yeah. <laughs> I love these panels though with Megan, which we haven't touched on. The fact that Megan's powers are also slightly out of control, and she's just shifting to anyone that sort of moves within a certain radius. Oh yeah. Like, emotional states. I thought these panels were really nicely done, and then when she gets to when they get to Rachel, obviously they have the bigger explosion. Right, so Rachel, Rachel comes in, and um, Megan sort of morphs into, in, into her, and, and they have to be like pulled away psychically because they're kind of like merging into one, one being almost. So it really throws them all off. And then Brian comes in with paint all over his body like he just lost the worst, the worst paintball match ever. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so good. So I feel like I'm just this whole episode is just going to be being like, man, Excalibur's so good. <laughs> oh yeah, in every episode, Pierce. except the last episode, yeah. <laughs> last episode. Um, but this is a lot of great character work, and even all the way up to the point where they do go on another mission, it's kind of just fleshing out everyone. Uh, Megan always gets the short straw, and ironically, so does alternate reality Megan. But um, yeah, she's in like three panels. Um. <laughs> She always gets a short straw, but I do still feel like they're actually like Claremont's actually trying a lot more with her since last issue and giving her something to do in this issue with like her powers going on the fritz. Sure. Mm-hmm. So see. So um, they're both uh, both Megan and Rachel is trying to like get over them almost merging into one being, and uh, they decide they need to uh, head out to the UK because uh, something's happening there, um, and then we get to. Uh, the London branch of the Hellfire Club with a, a nice fun fun scene here. Uh, we've got some three... Have we seen any of these these sort of uh, men men children before? 
think I think we've seen Nigel um, okay. before. Yeah, I think, was, I think he was the one that like hit on Rachel um, in the earlier issues. Oh right, right, right. So uh, he uh, encounters Miss Ross, who is his boss, and uh, she decides to, uh, to to sort of get revenge on him. And they they go through this uh, gambling game where she sort of baits him into getting in, you know, far under under the water and um he ends up losing obviously and she's like i'm gonna have my way with you but not in a sexual way and uh there's a, a lot of great moments here of of just like excitement and and anxiousness and fear on nigel's face as the cards mm-hmm. are being flipped so uh, it's a fun 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 few pages and also this is the first time we saw courtney after that weird moment where an alien visited her and there's that explosion um, shot in her apartment. Right. Was the last time. So, so something's up with her. Definitely. But I love the way she's drawn. Like, she reminds me slightly like a Emma Frost light sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, that could just be the color coding. But I generally love the way she's drawn. And I do like, I don't even know what this game they're playing is. But I do like the way it's framed. Oh, they're just playing over under. Yeah. See, I didn't, I've never played. Yeah, all you do is you're just drawing cards. You're splitting the deck to see who's got a higher card. That's all. Yeah, it's like I, the most simple, the most simple gambling game. Yeah, it's, I, I sort of, I immediately, yeah, I got what it was doing. I've, I've never seen it before, which is just weird. <laughs> I was like, I've never seen this card game. I like I mean, it because it's like I guess they could have played poker, right? But that isn't great. On a, in a comic book? No. <laughs> it's just a lot of people with pretty stone-faced expressions, and this was like a way to do this scene very quickly. Um, that was like really, really fun. I love that the crowd like sort of um, starts, like a crowd starts to gather, and they're all very unique and in their own way. Like, yeah. Davis's attention to detail in the background is quite, has always been fascinating to me. Like, there's a lot of work going on. Yeah, and, and and honestly, not to not to, I don't want to disparage Mike McCone and his various inkers on Exiles, but like this doesn't do what we consider that Brian Hitch widescreen cinematic thing really at all. But it's much more cinematic in the way that it um, kind of paces itself, you know. Because you can really feel the sort of movement and you can kind of feel the tension in the room as the panels get more crowded with people gathering around and stuff like this is a pretty small scene. But like I feel like, you know, we were joking about doing about minute by minute podcasts earlier, but like I could do page by page of Excalibur because there's just so much on every page. I mean, so much. Yeah, I mean, we could go two hours just on this 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 book alone. Yeah, this is this is why our podcast is long. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. So then we jump to the Tower of London, uh, where a group of tourists is is taking a tour, and all kinds of Britishness is happening here, or maybe like faux Britishness. Uh, Dan, do you want to like gauge like how how British should how how accurate is this? Um, I think it's supposed to be sort of. Um, very Queen's English, Queen's Guard. So, um, yeah, he's kind of got it down slightly. It's not as bad as some of the other things he's written. 
because um, I imagine they're, they're, they're supposed to be American tourists because their English is impeccable and that's how we learn who Americans are in comics they can speak <laughs> very well and everyone else can't speak right. so they must be foreign of course um, <laughs> that, that's, how, that's how comics work right um, isn't that life? Just, I thought that was life <laughs> that, that's just life um, but yeah this is very much sounds kind of like what I think he's trying for London like Sort of a, a Buckingham London accent that you'd see, um, what the dude like a Mary Poppins deal, yeah, going on. Okay. <laughs> well, the uh, the uh, the tour guide though, I don't know. You mentioned Mary Poppins, and I was like, is he doing? Is he trying to do like Dick Van Dyke? Like, is that like his reference for English accents? Like, where the tour guide's like, oh, I'm one myself, like. I was like, oh, is that just like Dick Van Dyke's terrible accent in? I don't know. Yeah, because it sounds it, it sounds it sounds weirdly like Cockney, but no one who sounds like a Cockney would be working in the palace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... also, also, does does that one knight have a pink afro? Yes. Yeah, it does, and that's like... superhero my favorite. And that's that's wonderful. <laughs> That is that needs to be in the, he that superhero whoever it is has to be in the new exile Excalibur. <laughs> that would be amazing. I also do really love uh, the goth daughter, who's just like <laughs> listening to music the whole time and not paying any attention. Pretty great. We also get to see uh, an image of uh, Brian's original costume here, which will which will make a comeback. So nice little reference. Yeah. Um, and the tourists walk through uh, an archway. Uh, but little do they know that our frog robot friend is is in the archway, and either teleports them, or transforms them into lizards. I I don't really know. Uh, I, I, I don't think, know if should... I think they teleport and they're replaced by replaced with someone from another dimension. Yeah, like what happened with Moira? Right. That's that's kind of what I thought, but I was like, well. That was like us and Nazis, but now it's us and lizards. So there's like no rhyme or reason to what he's doing here. <laughs> Just go with it. Just go with it. Just go with it. And then we see well, that's like oh, go ahead. all stuff. All stuff with widget. I'm always like, whenever anybody's like, I don't know about widget. I'm like, just let it go. Like go. Just go. Like like just let it let it happen. The the more you read, the more will be revealed. Oh yeah, yeah. So then we get to the the offices, and we've got our our policeman. Uh, talking back and forth, and I love that um, we're bringing in uh, Mr. Mr. Hair Tuft in the front and Party in the back uh, is finally making uh, an appearance, like a, a full fledged appearance, because he becomes kind of part of the team for a while, right? Essentially, but that's a bit. Um, and we've got uh, the, the the guy from Scotland Yard who appeared in maybe issue one or issue two. He's also got like a bunch of weirdly colored suits. I think he his. <laughs> His first suit was like a bright green, like leprechaun suit. It was odd. Um, he but wasn't I... he supposed to be Irish? So like, <laughs> <he was convicted. laughs> um, do, do you know what really surprised me is that I know this is crazy, but like, there's a banana in this scene, and I don't, I just, I don't know why it threw me off because I don't often see like food or fruit in comic books. Like, no one ever eats really that often. So for some reason it just threw me off that a person was eating a banana and actually just eating it as well. Just blew my mind a little bit. I'm just glad that uh, that Claremont didn't decide to do like the when characters speak with their mouth full uh, uh, yeah. thing because yeah. like 
he's already pretty wordy and has enough accents in this book that I don't need the, like, that. (laughs) I generally don't understand. See Natia Pigeon Coop's Lady Book um, is is a sentence that is a riddle to me to this day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) um, I don't know if that's supposed to be English, like an English saying or a Scottish saying. I've read this page a couple times and I'm like, you know what? I don't. The dialogue is. It's not important here. I don't need to parse out what what's happening, <laughs> dialogue wise. Yeah, you kind of could just get it from context clues. Yeah, it's 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 just part of the fun of it. It's, yeah. Um, especially when you're from the country he's supposed to be talking about. <laughs> so this lizard family and uh, lizard guard pop in, and and the policemen are like, "What the heck's going on?" Um, and then cut to. Uh, other other guards uh, outside the tower, and Brian Braddock shows up in like a three piece suit and a trench coat, and he's got a sort of a buzzed haircut. And they're like, "Holy crap! It's really Captain Britain! I can't believe it! What's what's up with that haircut?" And they let him in, and he goes by. His his teammates sneak by as well, and uh, you know they do a great job every time Brian's on on screen here of just showing how like massive he is, um, which I don't. I feel like when they did the the gold annual and and they made an appearance, I don't feel like he had the same stature as as he does in these books. Do you remember? It's, it's always an odd thing because I don't think he he was quite big in like when Hickman was using him. Oh, like I feel like sometimes because he's huge here, isn't he? Like like a brick like, shit house. Yeah, he's like six eight, like five hundred pounds here. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's not uh, imposing anywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> I think that Davis has a much better sense of how to, um, of communicating size. I think I think that's sometimes the thing with that, the the sort of post Brian Hitch thing is that yeah, characters just all end up looking the same size. Like everybody's the same size as Captain America. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Unless they're unless they're in a book alone, and that's the only time that they might seem much bigger than like regular people, right? And yeah, but this that whole page where he appears in that in that three piece suit, and then we see what we what what could be Excalibur in the background, kind of showing up as they sneak in behind the guards, you know, before it's revealed that they're that they're definitely Nazis couple panels later i don't know it's great uh yeah and we cut into the dungeon and we've got evil moira and uh her bodyguard just chatting it up until Shadowcat jumps out from a, a mirror i guess was that a doorway i can't tell um and uh she gets captured there's a lot of like nazi talk and like genetic purification going on so you know these are some some terrible people um and then we cut back to uh, the lizard family. There's lots of confusion. Uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian, evil Brian comes in, starts fighting people, um, and uh, luckily, uh, Kitty shows up, the real Kitty, to save uh, our Irish policeman from being pulverized. Um, and what do you think of these these couple pages? Any any comments? Um, I love demonic um, Nazi Kitty, like when she goes full full white and. Shattering around her face, she looks almost like a demon or something that's sucking the poor dude's poor, poor girl dude, poor girl's uh, neck, as opposed to um, normal kitty. 
And how buff is Callisto? Like, yeah, uh, seriously. Yeah, look at those legs. Exactly. Got muscles on muscles. I really do like these panels. I love the fact that they use like sort of almost like a hot pinky crimson color to sort of denote background and foreground characters mm-hmm. on that one panel. And I just love the expressions. And the fact that the policeman, he's a little chubby, and when he gets pushed up to a wall, you can totally see his double chin. I thought that was a nice little... <laughs> Not the usual, just hand all the way around. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. As always, I just prefer, I just liked attention to detail. <laughs> Hence why I like this book so much. And then uh, and then I love Kitty pulling him through evil Captain Britain. And, and evil Cap just throws his fist through the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, that guy's head would have exploded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love how they, they remark that this Captain Britain is even stupider than our Captain Britain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's got one move. It's just like barreling in head first, fist akimbo here. Um, but we, we cut to uh, Nightcrawler and the rest of our Excalibur team. And he's like, y'all got to stay back because you're not, you're not full power. So I'm going to head in and you wait behind. And Rachel shows up and wraps up Evil Cap in a, uh, a Phoenix wing here. With uh, I, I love... The panel that has like the claws going around uh, Nazi cap here uh, in the bottom middle of this page. I just love how, mm. how, how he, it really feels like the fire is, is like alive and like wrapping around him. I generally thought it was a nice design choice when she uses her telepathy that the, 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 the head of the bird and the beak. Oh, yeah. Around. I thought that was quite an interesting design choice. That's the thing. Like usually when we deal with the phoenix, it, it's just fire, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's no real it doesn't feel like there's real sort of form to it where um rachel's always seems to have wings or a beak or some sort of essence to it mm-hmm. gives it sort of a physicality and our our uh mullet haired uh, policeman friend is like super spit with rachel again here i love it <laughs> she's magnificent <laughs> And, and Kate, Kitty uh, goes snooping around. She runs into Ghost Kitty, who easily uh, like knocks her out somehow. I'm not really sure what this Ghost Kitty's powers are. Is she just like a ghost? I I forget in the grander context, but uh, I figured it was just some sort of like I'm alternate dimension you, and I understand our phasing powers differently. So I'm gonna. Like cut off circulation or something. That's how I read it. Yeah, it, it just felt like a phase to the head or something. I thought they like uh, Evil Cap had mentioned that she's really like undead uh, somewhere in here, but uh, maybe I'm misremembering. I, I I think she is undead in some way, but I don't know how that would affect her powers or whatever. Right. Well, uh, she went. She's evil. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Kitty being this, uh, taken out uh, is sort of a distraction for Rachel that allows Evil Cap to knock her out the building. Um, and then regular Cap and Megan decide that they've got to go in and do something. And as they're, they're like sneaking into the building, Nightcrawler shows up, does a little bit of a hopscotch around the Evil Cap, tap, kicks him in the back of the head, which is a great little panel. Um, and... Uh, sort of tricks Cap into, evil Cap into, like, knocking himself outside the building. And I love how, like, playful he is 
as he's like hopping over Nazi Cap, who's like busting through the wall. <laughs> There's a really nice sort of sense of like character in his movement, and the, the the idea that he's like just a sort of showman. Yeah, like night, night, like Nightwing would be for sure. I suppose. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, our Nightcrawler runs into Nazi Nightcrawler, and after a couple of bamps, he's taken out. Um, and then, and then, oh hey, Megan shows up. Like evil Nazi Megan shows up uh, for some reason. She's like, "Sorry, I was delayed." And Nazi Cap's like, "Yeah, we don't need you anyway, woman." It's yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's kind of like the normal universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but she does like knock a hole open in the wall to help them escape. But then they run into the regular Captain Britain in his old uniform. Bum, bum, bum. And I gotta say. I ill-fitting uniform oh yeah yeah i love how it's like riding up just slightly and he's like oh i've grown some since i last wore this so funny <laughs> like even when he's being very heroic like 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 they're still taking the piss like it's so funny i gotta say i got to the end of this book and i was very disappointed it was over i was like what no i need yes. more i want 20 more pages yeah yeah 100 percent so it's safe to assume that we all really thoroughly enjoyed this book, yeah? Oh, yeah. 10 out of 10. What a great issue. This is like, honestly, and, and, and it, it must be hard for you guys to do this podcast because oh, just so many things are not as good as Excalibur. <laughs> <laughs> like, I read them in the order that we're covering them today. Like, yeah. and I read them just before the, I reread them in that order just before we started. And, uh, I was like, all right, first issue, that was okay, I guess. And then I read this, and I was like, wow, so great. And then I've been generally liking uh, Saladin Ahmed's uh, Exiles, but after that issue of Excalibur, I was like, hmm, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> the thing is, it's like, um, it's not it's, it's not a secret that Excalibur is my favorite, like, X book or comic book ever um so it yeah you're right in it being like oh it's just constantly praise for <laughs> excalibur and <laughs> not much else but we you know there are there are we have had one issue where we haven't been particularly um kind to it but then you get issues like this where like, the characters really do pop off the page it just sings all the way through the pacing's perfect and it just everything just seems to work even though it's crazy like the ideas are just a bit out out there sometimes, but it just seems to always slot right in. Unfortunately, this we're we're coming to sort of the end of the Davis's const, uh, the constant uh, penciler on the book. Yeah. Um. So that's that's kind of a disappointment. But the, the book finally starts going in a crazy weird uh, direction. Uh, we're gonna get more and more like alternate dimensions and. Crazy Britannia and, and weirdness, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And he d and Davis does return um, to to write and uh, draw the whole thing. Yeah, when uh, yeah, and it, and it keeps and it keeps being weird at that point too, which is really cool. Yes. When, when does he come back? Um, In the nineties, at some point, he comes back. Like, I'm sure it's like it's not very it's like not very far off when he leaves. It's like. Late twenty, late issue twenties or something, or early issue phase. But then he, when he leaves, I think we get Lobdell 
a little bit. And then um, I think someone else, I can't remember, and then it goes Ellis. And then I can't remember who kills it, but someone turns it and then it dies. <laughs> then, it, then it dies Then it dies a death with the last... It's not the last writer's fault, um, I don't think. Um, I just think it was the state of the X industry of the late 90s, just right. before it died. Yeah. Um, yeah, Davis is on for... Um... I've so what, this is issue nine, right? Yeah. I've yeah well, he's not. He's not on ten and twelve. Those right. are fill-ins. And then, uh, yeah, he's on till seventeen. Comes back for twenty-three to twenty-four, and then he's not back till forty-two to fifty-two, fifty-four oh. to fifty-eight, sixty-one to sixty-seven, and that's it. Okay. Well, that hopefully. Um... That's still that's still more Alan Davis than not Alan Davis so. <laughs> than we deserve, I suppose. Yeah. Um. But I mean, this book has been uh, amazing. Uh, just so so happy we get to cover this, and I'm glad we didn't like rush through these these issues, Dan, because uh, we get to sort of pace out and enjoy the the Alan Davis uh, pencils as much as possible for as long as possible. Do do we ever rush? Them? No, what I'm saying is, I'm glad <laughs> like, we're not like a, a once a week podcast. You mean for two hours? No, 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 no. <laughs> like if we were recovering, a, you know, this every week, we would be way past, you know, Alan Davis now, and we'd be into to other things. So it'd be. I'm just glad we're taking our time with it. That's all. Oh, I mean, I mean, releasing podcasts, not just the actual length oh, of yeah. each individual. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> if we were doing it every week, I'd have been like, "Can we stop soon?" <laughs> 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 Um, cool. Well, I guess we got one issue left then, huh? Yes. So, cool. uh, last issue is Exiles number eight. Yeah. To to be clear, Exiles uh, two thousand eighteen number eight, right? Yep. Because there's like a bunch of other Exiles in between the other Exiles in this one. Um. So this is the trial of the Exiles. I kind of wish it was the X trial of the Exiles, but. That's just me, I think. Um, and we've got a pretty cool cover. Uh, although Wolvie looks strange. Yeah, but I think McCone never really seems to get a grasp on whether he should be a midget or a cartoon character. <laughs> um, I think that's the... But I actually quite like this compared to some of the other McCone ones we've had recently. Sure, yeah. sure. The design element of like the background is really cool, and his character work—it's so clear. I love this. I love when you can see that somebody has gotten so much better at art in like the last twenty years. You know, I do, like, I do, yeah, I get what you're saying. Whether actually a lot of it feels it's because we were saying which which one was it? We were saying that you should have just deleted some of the characters, and it would have been a better the first cover. Western cover. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it seems like he was just adding more. I do like the fact that it looks like uh, the background looks like a tapestry, mm-hmm. almost yeah, or like a mural, where it's coloured, as opposed to just them there. Oh yeah, for sure. The background is is, is kind of the standout part of this cover for me. I still feel like his characters don't feel like our exiles, especially Wolvie, but even the other three, they just feel off to me. He does like a weird thing with Valkyrie's eyes. That is very strange. Um, like they're more black than white, which is not the case anywhere else, I don't think. And also with Blink, it's almost like he's not 
he's like, well, I used to draw Blink this way, so I guess just give her shorter hair, kind of? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I think overall, I don't know, he, he quits himself pretty well. These characters look like they're moving more than his, his previous work. Um, and uh, I don't know, I like them. Uh, I, I, the, again, that Wolvie is weird. Like, he can't decide what's going on there. Yeah. Um, I think that's as close as he gets to drawing a cartoon character. Um, maybe, but, uh, but the other characters, I, I generally like them. I think they're good. Um, uh, although I guess the only other thing is the, is, and I, this might not be him. I'm not sure who colored the, who colored the cover, but it's not, cl- it, 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 it kind of looks like Blink's legs are covered in shadow, but maybe they're leggings. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Not sure. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure what's going on there. But other than that, I don't know. So pretty cool. It's a pretty cool cover. I dig it. All right. So who do we have uh, on the creatives here? All right. So creatives, we have Saladin Ahmed as a writer. Uh, guest penciler Joe Canones with uh, Canones inking himself as well as Joe Rivera. And guest colorists Jordan Gibson, Chris Sotomayor with Munza Vicente and Joe Canones. And letter Joe Caramagna, covered by Mike McCone, and then a whole bunch of editors. Um, Sarah Brunstad, Will Moss, Tom Brevoort, C.B. Sibolsky. And so, I guess, I mean, the cover really tells you pretty much exactly what this is. The Watchers have caught the exiles, and they're putting them on trial, these, like, weird-looking Watchers. Um, and so we get these, we get, we get the opening of... of kind of blinks history as a as a kid and then with uh with it during age of apocalypse with this for, very foreboding watcher we get the a, a panel of the first exiles uh series and then we see we see blink in custody on the first on the first page um i gotta say as much as i have been liking this book overall this one left me feeling a little cold and kind of right from the first page. Um, it's, or even first two pages. I'm just kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's the switch in art, but uh, I don't know. Something feels a little off to me. How about you guys? Yeah, this book had like a propulsive energy to it. Um, even when it was slow in its, its character moments, there was like a feeling of warmth and, and like, there was just it had that it factor. With this book, it really uh, surprised me how much I didn't in- enjoy it. It felt like almost like f- like the bad kind of filler. Um, yeah, yeah. I felt a little bit like I was reading Wikipedia. <laughs> I was about to say. I was literally about to say it was Wikipedia to me. Um, uh, and I, I know feel that... like it's unnecessary. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we um, already know all this stuff, don't we? <laughs> and like, um, even for new readers, I was like, is this for, supposed to be for new readers? Because I don't think anyone's going to look at the front of the cover and go, "The Trial of the Exiles." And go, oh, that's definitely where I'm going to jump in to my um, my Exile story. Where they're on trial, boom! That's where I'll find it all out. Um, and I'm a, I actually really like, uh, usually like, Crunones' um, art, but like. That and the 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 army of colorers make this. It just feels flat, and I know it sounds ridiculous because it's a two D image, but it feels so two <laughs> D and so 
like we've often talked about like especially with Excalibur like the movement the flow and like the idea of action and acting and this just feels like just just like wallpaper that's a horrible thing to say but it just feels like wallpaper has been put up and we're just looking at it out on walls and there's nothing really to do other than just sort of spin in the chair that you've been forced to sit in for the entirety of the issue um because yeah. there's, there's nothing here that there's not even any anything in the, in in like the dialogue or the script that does anything to to further any of the characters or or give us any sort of room to mourn morph for spoilers for last issue morph died like there's like there's nothing there like, yeah it feels um, like a, a a bad like like recap episode of a sitcom or something where they're just like showing clips of stuff that's it's not funny it's not engaging you're just kind of waiting for this to be over so we can get get on things like like this is your life but the prize at the end is death um seems to be the seems to be the the idea of the whole sort of thing i I don't know it's not it doesn't work and it's a shame because i was actually quite looking forward to elements of this book um when i was reading it i was like oh wow so and so's in it oh wow and then it's just like, oh, okay, I'll wait until next issue to see any of them do anything. Um, yeah, and and Canones is, I, I really like Canones as well. Um, I liked his work on America, and I've liked his work in a few other places. Uh, he runs into similar trouble, though, where, uh, like in, in a lot of books I've noticed, where with certain inking teams, or if he's inking himself, um, he was certain inking and coloring teams rather, and and I, and I include himself as part of it because I think choices get made that aren't the best for the art. Um, for instance, we see kind of all over this this book that sort of like textured line, um, where you can almost see like they never inked it; they colored directly to pencils. Mm-hmm. you know you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. um um and yeah that works and gives sort of like a textured feel to some of it but then like the next page will look completely different um and it's not the differences in style based on like the different worlds of these characters coming through it's just it's just inconsistent you know um and we're not learning anything that we don't really already know about these characters that if you b- became a fan with of this team with exiles the first kind of arc or so or the first couple of issues, if you wanted to know more about these characters, you probably would have gone to find out some of this stuff. Like, whoa, I really like Iron Lad. What's his deal? You know, we're eight months in. We kind of already knew this. And and there's a there's a there's an aspect to to Canona's line work here that just feels like fill-in work. Like, oh no, we need a we need a we need something pretty fast. I mean, those recap images of Blink during her section. Oh yeah. Oh no. Woof. Uh, I don't know. That just seems. That just seems like. I, I don't like to ever say that artists seem like they don't care or they seem rushed, but it because you know you don't know that that could be the page that they spent the most time on and really labored on, right? But I mean, it does feel rushed, and that's kind of the feeling across the book is like nothing's really happening any actions kind of happening in the recap and it some of it's literally stuff that we saw before yeah you know um that we've seen a couple issues beforehand so 
And, and Why am I reading this? The irony, the only character that anyone new to this book um, would want to know about, Nocturne, literally says no, I'm fine, <laughs> whatever. It's like the only person who actually could benefit from having a bit of history is literally like, no, it's okay. I'm not yeah. in the book for very much longer anyway. Um, yeah. That's what it's, That's what it literally sounds like. Like he's... Because by the end of it, it clearly feels like um, the creative team have decided on a, on a new team or, or, or additions to the team. But it distinctly made me feel like Nocturne is literally not staying around at all. Yeah. Um, in whatever way, shape or form. Which isn't a bad thing. It's cool, like I'm not super attached to her staying, but it's so blatant and like it feels more like um, a reshuffling of the, the deck than... <laughs> that's happening than them um, moving forward and sure. it just doesn't seem meaningful that's no, the problem no you know we yeah get, you guys mentioned that we get like flashbacks to books we you know two two issues ago or whatever we don't need to have those scenes there's there's a little bit of valkyrie here which is kind of interesting to know maybe how her universe is slightly different but nothing that really speaks to her character at all like i didn't need to know these this this part of her backstory to enjoy her as a character um and and everyone else in the, in the current book we saw this happen we literally had these introductions so what's yeah. could i just can i just say one thing though yeah one really positive fun thing when they do little wolvie and it starts with his blooded claws well, that was and fun. That's, <laughs> yeah that's, that was that, i was gonna say that's the best bit of any of them and i think the little wolvie one even though we kind of know that but that that sort of bait and switch and I kind of like the Becky Barnes um, intro, too. I like that character. I think she's very fun. Um, and, and, yeah, and like, the Captain Carter stuff. But, it, but you know, uh, and so for, we didn't, re- I didn't, I did a bad job of summarizing how this book okay. kind of in order. But, but basically, uh, listeners, uh, the watchers catch all the characters that we've met throughout the book and uses a device to interrogate them um but really their interrogation is just like what their characters arcs are to this point like what their histories are so we start out with uh blink and we find out or do we start out with blink yeah we start out with blink and we just find out her history she was born in the bahamas which we know apocalypse conquered okay we see Sabretooth, we see the original exiles and we see her watching tv and she sees Prince. Like, that's cool. Nocturne just turns down the opportunity to, to do that <laughs> for 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 some reason. Um, which, she's got to die, right? Like, she's going to die soon. Like, there's, I don't know. It seems weird. Um, also, I don't, like, even dialogue-wise, I didn't like her saying schmucks. That felt weird to me. I don't know Yikes. what your yeah how you guys feel about it. I don't really care about cursing in comics that much. That doesn't that's not that's not like a curse curse to me, but it's always a word that stands out that like certain characters would use. Like I expect like Ben Grimm to say that. Sure, sure. Um, but Nocturne. I wouldn't expect Cat and Wanda's daughter to be using that, you know. Yeah, she's very much like rebellion. She's a, from what I remember, she's a rebellious spirit, isn't she? She's like sort of, she's a punk rocker, isn't she? She has a band and all that jazz. Yeah. So maybe a different type I guess, of. I guess, it, I guess, it, I guess it's fine. It just, it stuck out to me because it's, it's not, it's literally a word that I only hear my dad say, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. my dad is like 60 years old. <laughs> 
Um, and then we get Valkyrie's backstory, and and her backstory is fine. I mean, it's basically Wonder Woman, kind of. You know, yeah. except that Odin's there. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, I get to learn more about the character. That's fine, but it's not really... You're not really learning that much. It's not that yeah. interesting. It's kind of like, I could take this or leave it. Yeah, and then, uh, and then I mean, it ends with her meeting our current Exiles team, which, like, yeah, again, we saw that a couple episodes, a couple issues ago, which that panel has Iron Lad's hands in it that are maybe the worst drawn thing in this book. <laughs> um, like, they're not sure how many fingers he has um, or how those are supposed to look. Um, and then, you know, Valkyrie tries to fight these Watchers, and it doesn't work. Um and we get to we get to interact with Nate Richards' backstory, which he covered in issue one for all of us. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, just that he's Kang, basically, uh, but he didn't want to be, so he became Iron Lad. Um, even though I think we know that he still becomes Kang. I, like uh, Kang stuff always gets kind of crazy, but because I think in Young Avengers, don't we find out? It doesn't matter. But I think he still becomes Kang anyway. Uh, and then the little Wolvie thing is funny. Um, I, Lil Wolvie's a character that I go back and forth on uh, sometimes because I'm like, ah, it's so goofy that I love it. And sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so goofy that it really takes me out of the sort of stakes of the story. But that claws covered in red thing is so funny. Amen. Yeah. I mean, Pierce, uh, I, I, I appreciate you, you going through all the, the, the quote-unquote story here, but it's like... Uh... It's almost it's not like, really much story. No, it's, it's all it's all superfluous. It's like, and then this character talks about their backstory. And then this character talks about their backstory. And then this character talks about their backstory. And then it's the end. It's, I yeah. Don't, so my my question to you, and not to cut you off, and, and not that you were no, doing no, that's a, fine, that's fine. A, a poor job or anything. It's like, in my mind, you know, I think Dan and myself have really liked Ahmed's books. We loved his Quicksilver book. Um, uh, a lot, and I think uh, I don't remember if Danny, you read all of his uh, his uh, oh boy, what's his name? The Inhuman Black Leader, Black Black Bolt. Yeah, Black Bolt was sick. I love Black Bolt. Yeah, like great books. Um, we we read his his Spider Man Annual uh, for last week, which was well done. So this this seems, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone's gonna have uh, you know, gonna hit a home run every time, right? So, right. But but this doesn't quite feel like what I expect him to write so my question to you is a guy who's sort of been on the other side of making comics does this feel like an editorial decision was this like oh crap the the next artwork's not ready yet we got to have a fill-in to like bridge the gap or is this just uh uh a misstep i don't know i you know i think it might have been a hey we need to get everybody like i i want my team to be slightly different but i feel like we didn't get them there um, and I mean, with, with having this many like guest artists, it's definitely fill in, right? Um, there's kind of no doubt about that. I mean, and, and, and it's not even really to nitpick here. I mean, there's just aspects of this book that just don't feel finished, you know, um, in the scene where we meet Peggy Carter, right? Um, if you look at the watchers, like tattoos or whatever on their heads, they're like not even filled in all the way, you know, and it's just the kind of thing where I understand that that sort of brushed, that sort of like brushed textured 
stroke is like part of the aesthetic of what Canones does and what we've seen him do. But I don't know. There's something to be said for really backing up those blacks and creating contrast. And if you just look all over this book, that there's a lack of that. Um, if you look at the backgrounds, it's lots of just characters with colored backgrounds, right? There's no, there's no backgrounds being drawn. And we just looked at, we just looked at Excalibur, and you know, again, it's unfortunate for this book to have to be compared to Alan Davis. But you look at the backgrounds of those pages, and you know, I, Alan Davis obviously needed to fill in every once in a while. Um, uh, and and there's some decent background work in a few panels here, but overall. Overall, you know, it really does feel like, hey, we need a few characters back on the board. How do we get them in the same room? And how do we create a new number one, like a new jumping on point for anybody that maybe wants kind of the quick and dirty version of who these characters are? You know, um, because I do think that if they are trying to get people to jump in with the next arc, since they're doing sort of uh, like an Aladdin thing. Um, you know, and Aladdin being a much, a, a kind of recognizable story, you know, to say like, hey, well, you know, you like Aladdin? I guess try this out. They can then be like, well, wh- who are these characters? Oh, well, just, you know, look at the last the last issue and you'll you'll figure it all out. It'll catch you up, you know, for only $4 instead of, 10, <laughs> you know, 15 bucks for the trade, right? Or, or however many things. But yeah, I mean, this does feel like a fill-in. It does feel like a kind of lazy way to get all these characters back on the same page. And, you know, it's it's hard to say if that was the fault of Ahmed's plotting, if that was maybe the Aladdin arc as a whole is a fill-in, you know, uh, like that there had to be a, a change from his initial plan, mm-hmm. which that kind of seems like what it might be. You know, that he was like, well, I got this. I was planning to do this Aladdin thing later, but I could do it now. Um, mm-hmm. But I got to sort of I got to sort of move things around to get us there. And I wasn't, you know, those scripts are already done. And, on the, you know, I had a different story to get these characters back because um, it, it does feel a little bit like that. The, the fact that we just kind of get these char- these characters that we already know drop back in um, kind of for kind of for no reason um feels like there was a last minute change so i don't think it's a mandate so much like but it is an editorial decision where they definitely there's probably like a lost a lost story in here somewhere um Hmm. and and it kind of shows on the page which is unfortunate yeah well um uh sharon carter captain america like blew up when she was first introduced Right. I don't know if like he maybe he intended to kill her all along, but because she just exploded and is, was everywhere for ages, and loads of people just cosplayed her, and just, like she became bigger than just an appearance in Ex- Exiles. Maybe they were like, okay, maybe we bring her back because it could sell more books, or maybe we should just bring her back anyway. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, I'm sure that those are factors in it too. He might have just been writing Miles at the time and was like, well, I've got to write this and the other thing, so let's just do this quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it, whatever happened, it, it didn't translate well, um, is I think what we're all trying to say. is it, yeah. some, it what, Whatever has happened is the issue is not working. Um, there's too much black. There's literally too much black for me, visually. Because um, the book is often quite... Um, 
light and it's more of a pastel color palette i feel like normally yeah and i don't know it just it just feels like there's like a mimicking of kirbyism um with the watches and i think the black streaks and that just kind of it's just too much for my eyes to handle <laughs> I, I think if they were so, i think if they were solid black to me instead yeah, of this sort of weird in between sure like look at the look at the panel that there's a panel of t'challa right where they're interrogating him a whole panel is wasted a whole quarter or fifth of a page is wasted on that panel yeah there's nothing dynamic about that panel it's a bad panel it's yeah. just half covered in black it's a, 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 a quarter of his head you know and the and the the, there's no dialogue <laughs> you know like it, it's just like why are we wasting our time on this you know um so i i don't think canones is a bad artist i don't think anybody on the creative team is bad um but they don't do a good job here um, they're just having a bad day yeah pretty much pretty much or you know we're told that they needed to turn this in in three weeks instead of four you know um or and or or honestly, what it probably was was as the pencils came in, they sent it out to get inked and colored as it came in, you know, um, to to speed up the process. So rather than being able to see everything, you know, you kind of get this kind of more haphazard sort of uh, uh, inconsistent approach. Um, and it's just and it's blacks in weird spots. Like I think that there may be supposed to be shadows a little farther down, maybe a page later. Uh, yeah, a page later after the T'Challa. Um, uh, origin we get that panel of the watcher standing and and then uh and then we see the uh ah, just the it's so weird the way there's so much dialogue for the exiles but they're not the focus of the panel um but there's just black streaks on the ground yeah and that's yeah. not shadows that's just black streaks because we see the watcher's shadow that's what I'm saying. That's why I say there's too much black for me. Yeah. <laughs> too much black ink. Yeah. Too much it's, just, it's just a mess. And I like I like strong blacks. I think strong blacks are necessary, but they don't work with this pastelish, um, kind of kind of lazy color palette. Honestly, kind of lazy color palette. And well, I mean, even on that one, that page too. Like, there's some energy maybe coming out of this box on the side of that panel. What is that? I can't even. Like, uh, there's like a bad sense of space on these pages. Uh, the, so the action doesn't really translate. The characters, like suddenly they're in a much bigger room than it seems like they were in earlier. It's uh, yeah. Well, I I could go in depth about what I don't like about about this art almost as much as I could go in depth <laughs> about what I do like about Alan Davis's. And I mean, honestly, it's only because you know I I review comics four days a week basically every week, and I've been doing that for like the last. Oh God, six years um, uh, for Newsarama, and and I, I have a reputation as kind of a harsh critic. Um, my average on Comic Book Roundup or whatever the aggregator for all of us us critics is like a six and a half. You know, and it's only because like I have to stare at all this stuff every week, and I read a lot of books that I'm not. I, I review a lot of books that I'm not always actively reading, right? So I catch up on the book first find things that I like and don't like about it um, and then have to dig in and, and actually probably Exiles got off easy that I didn't cover this issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, Dan especially, but I, I would include myself in that like harsh on the harsher side of criticism. 
you see most websites are just like you know these are the issues but still eight out of ten or nine out of ten like everything yeah. gets gets high marks but if everything has a high, if like everything is great in my mind that means like nothing is great because it's it's all the same so you, i agree you, you've got to make your choice like if it's not good call it out for why it is or, or you know expound about what is great so <clears throat> excuse me i i agree like it's it's a disappointing issue i think we could keep going on and on about the art but i'd rather it's just making me feel sad so i'd rather if we could unless you have any like either of you guys have anything you know uh, major you want to bring up about this book anymore maybe we can move on to grades um to to look on the uncharacteristically positive side of me um (laughs) i do like that they've brought back uh sexy t'challa and um the uh, bucky and uh captain america because they're all awesome ideas sure so and they've got a lot of potential going forward um i dislike that not 10 has like their weird story-driven power fluctuations in this issue and last one, just so they can get out of situations. Oh yeah, plot but, powers. Yeah, but she'll die soon, so that'll that'll hopefully <laughs> end. Um, but yeah, disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was a rough one. All right, Dan, what do you want to rate this? We go uh, on a one to five scale here. Ah. <sighs> Um, I think it's quite, it's script, it's script is much like Pierce said, no better than a Wikipedia entry in most places. And it's art is messy at best. I'm going to go two. How about you, Pierce? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to land, I'm going to land at a two also. And the, the only thing gaining any points for me are the appearances of, uh, Wild Wild West, T'Challa, which I would read a whole book of that sure. un- that Marvel universe. I think that's cool as hell, um, and I love Peggy and and uh, Becky Barn uh, Becky Barnes. I would also read a whole book of theirs, um, which I'm sure is in the works if that character is uh, is uh, you know getting as much play uh, and continues to get as much play as it, as she does. Um, so yeah, two for me. Well, that, I'm gonna make it three out of three in that. I'm also giving the book a two. Uh... Because it just it just makes me sad. I was this has been one of my favorite books uh, month in and month out. So it's been it's, it's it was disappointing to see see this issue come out. But uh, you know, preview for next issue, uh, we've got this Aladdin story coming up. We've got the sort of original art team is going to be back on. I think for the next arc as well. Yeah, and, Javier Rodriguez is back. And. Um, I don't know if you guys have if this is like a, a cover or just a preview image or whatever, but uh, this this page of Blink riding the the magic carpet with Wolverine like like holding on looks amazing. Do you guys have this? Yeah, one? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It saw. looks cool. It looks cool. Um, I don't know who this artist is. It doesn't uh, say. <laughs> it says DNA in the in the corner. Um, it also says five eighteen. It looks like I've got a five um, ten, or five, is it a ten? I can't tell if it's a five or an. Oh error, no, maybe it is an eighteen. Yeah, I don't know. You know, so I like that makes me think like, all oh, right, like they were planning this out. Like this has really been in the works. Yeah, it might be. It could really be either. Who knows? But um, yeah, it looks cool. I mean, uh, I'm curious to see what they do. I'm curious to see what that means for the other characters in the X universe um, and who they'll be portrayed as. Um, 
I feel like uh, I I don't know. I feel like I, there's certain characters that I'd like to see in this setting, like Dust, and I guess um, I kind of like to see Apocalypse. I don't know why. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. All right. Well, those are the three books for for us for this uh, this episode. I think we obviously loved Excalibur, and the Exiles books were kind of meh. Yeah, weak 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 for them. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. But, um, Pierce, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us. I think your insights, especially to this last issue of Exiles, uh, were really helpful. Um, and you were like a lot of fun to have on, on, on the podcast. I think, uh, you know, if you ever want to come on again, I think Dan and I would be happy to have you on. Yeah, yes, yeah, so. let me know. Let me know. I'd be happy to, uh, happy to, to join you guys again. Like I said uh, to you when I sort of pitched myself, when I forced my way into this podcast, <laughs> is uh, that I like Exiles and Excalibur quite a bit, quite a bit. And uh, and I love, I don't know, I love comics. I love talking about them. So I write about them enough, and talking about them is a lot easier, especially with uh, folks as fun as, and knowledgeable as yourselves. So, uh, oh, you know, despite, despite the uh, Omniverse, the Talus blinking me away a couple times this episode, um, <laughs> You know, I think uh, I think we got through it okay. Yeah, yeah. Just don't don't mention he who shall not be named. <laughs> Honestly, it'd be fun to get uh, to get him on the show. I'm sure, you could. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, I think we're, we're we're talking to some creatives. I think we have someone in mind we'd like to have on shortly, uh, who's uh-huh. working on the, the current book or, or is coming back to the current book. So that should be fun. Uh, uh, that's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I look forward to. So before we, we let you go, I think I have a, a couple questions for you. One, sure. is there a book outside of, of what we've read today that has been like a standout for you recently? Uh, oh, absolutely. And I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, but uh, uh, Elliot Rahal's Hot Lunch Special. Um, it's uh, coming out from, oh, let me make sure I get this right. I want to say it's from Vault, but it's really incredible. Uh, it's really incredible kind of crime noir, uh, uh, kind of Fargo esque crime noir. That's really, really great. Um, from Elliot and, uh, Jorge Fornes who did amazing X-Men and who did, uh, yeah, that's coming out from Aftershock comics. That's who it is. And honestly, Aftershock has been putting out just really incredible, incredible stuff like lately in general. Um, another favorite of mine, Chris Sabella's Cold War with Hayden Sherman, uh, really intense sci-fi. Hayden Sherman's art is like, oh, it's like peak Frank Miller mixed with like the things that people don't like about Frank Miller, but I think are really cool. Um, just where he gets real weird um, and really intense. And and Chris is, I think, one of the best writers around. Uh, Crowded is another one of his books that I think is really right. great. And uh, and then uh, oh, and I also I happen to be quoted on the cover for the trade of of uh cold war so uh, you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little partial i'm a little sure. partial and then uh this week i think my favorite book this week uh was uh patience conviction revenge by patrick kinlan uh and matei i want to say matteo ferrari um maybe it is marco ferrari but um uh, really cool basically a super villain gets ousted from his like crime syndicate and he lives in the desert and he wants to get his revenge after building a new a new uh a new robot army and it definitely has some like coen brothers you know humor to it 
Uh, and it's a, just a funny, a quick book too. It doesn't really overstay its welcome. It gets in and kind of gets out. Very Warren Ellis kind of uh, dystopian future vibe, uh, and and that's been really fun. So I'd say those. Um, that's not, I guess, typical superhero fare, um, but I think everybody's already reading all the good superhero books. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for the uh, recommendations. And uh, where can we find you uh, online or? You know, anywhere you want to be found. Cool. So I'm on Twitter. That's the easiest place to find me. P.E. Lightning uh, is my Twitter handle. Um, and I write on Newsarama. I post all my links. Uh, so if you just follow me, that'll be good. Uh, I'm in a band. We're called Cutters. We're working on a new record right now. I'm in a punk band. Uh, so if that's your thing, uh, cuttersmusic.bandcamp.com. You can also find us on Spotify. Uh, please note we are not the Cutters, just Cutters. No, no, nothing prefacing Cutters. Uh, C-U-T-T-E-R-S. Um, and that's those are the main places. I'm working on my own comics, so we'll see. You know, I'll have more news about that eventually one day. Um, I just got character designs back on a book that I'm working on, on a graphic novel. Um, so once I have news about that, I will let you guys all know. Um, but that's pretty much it for me. Excellent. Cool. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. I yeah. feel like... Um, um, now Georgie has died. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, is he gone now? I don't know. His sound has gone and viral. It's be hello. Oh, I'm so he... sorry. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> did you just? Did you go and play Spider Man while he was talking? <laughs> you know, that is very. You know, uh, yeah, it's all in the background. Busted. <laughs> no, I uh, I hit the mute button because uh, I had a cough and I thought I unmuted, but I guess I didn't. So <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I was like, but, I said something and Dan just ignored me. Like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, thank you guys so much for having me. It's so much fun. And anytime you want to talk about Exiles and Excalibur or anything at all, I'm, and you want a guest, I'm more than willing. So, Cheers, man. Well, thank you for being on and thank you for listening. Yeah, so, uh, where, where can our, our, our fans find us, Dan? Um, at Excalibur, I nearly forgot then. Excalibur is one on Twitter is the best way and just put Excaliburs into um, Google and you'll get all of it from everywhere. I'm shit at promoting. What are you expecting from me? Um, you have one you job, Dan. Come on, man. When we oh, started yeah. this, behind the scenes, when we started this, I'm like, I'll record and do the editing and Dan's like, cool, I can handle all the social media. I got that locked down. That's the <laughs> one thing you have to do. Sorry. That's why that's why the podcast I was on failed after two hundred and some issues. It's because I failed. <laughs> failed them. I know. If you do two hundred and some episodes, I don't I wouldn't call it a failure. Yeah, I don't call that a failure. I think that's a legacy. Also, Dan, yeah. today's a funny day because uh seven years ago today is when I launched Kaboom. Oh, and this is how me and Pierce know each other, Georgie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't really talk about that, but but Dan yeah. and I know each other from a website that I created seven years ago today. <laughs> I wrote ridiculously long um, things that reviews of I can't even remember now. <laughs> but seven reviews years ago. and reviews and yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we had fun on the internet back in 2011, exactly. 2012. God, so, was it that long ago? Jeez. Yeah, we're getting old. I'm going to be 30 years old this year. It's crazy. I'm going to be 35. So am I older than you, Georgie? Or should we just undisclose? I, not undisclose? To be honest, the, the older I get, the, the 
the younger you feel. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> the older I get, the more I forget not only it, like how soon my birthday is approaching, but what age I actually am. And I yeah, am that... not certain what age I am at the moment. I would have to so like, that... calculate. You don't have a partner that constantly reminds you that you're older than them, than uh, like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm around your age. I can't remember if I'm like a year older or or the same age, but <laughs> I look. I still look like I'm um, late teens because I just somehow haven't aged that way. <laughs> so... Stop bragging! Damn it. That's all right. It's okay. I still get ID'd um, for alcohol and stuff. So. I suppose that's a good thing. We'll we'll see if I get ID'd. I'm gonna watch football for the rest of the day, so I'm gonna go get some orange juice and some beers to mix together. Ooh, that does not sound lovely. <laughs> Trust me, it's really good. Mix Miller High Life with uh, with uh, orange juice. It's uh, the champagne. So you mix the champagne of beers with orange juice. That's a beer mosa. Wow. That sounds sounds like something I would have done in university. And regret it the next day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine because you get all the uh, you get all the nutrients. Uh, right. <laughs> sure. I'm just gonna go after this. I'm gonna go make a curry for for for, for my, myself, well, and Ian. But I'm gonna go cook uh, at right. half past seven in the evening. So, all right. Cool. Well, thanks, time. guys. Appreciate it. And uh, to everyone out there listening, thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks' time with a couple more issues. Um, and you might catch us on uh, the podcast that goes snicked in, in a few weeks as well. Because, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're due to be on Jason's podcast. He's got a new baby, so that makes it a little difficult to schedule. But hopefully we'll be, we'll be chatting with him about the X-Universe as a whole. So you can catch us there. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.